Please listen carefully. Hello and welcome to the first edition of the Weekend Brunch Club. I'm Thomas Finn alongside my co-host Declan Graham. Uh, this podcast pretty much outlines uh, current events, sports, usual and unusual subjects. Yeah, that basically covers it. We're going to be talking about a lot of different subjects. And uh, what's on tap for today? We got, we're going to touch on some Monopoly. We're going to talk about Pitbull, not the dogs, but uh, the rapper, unfortunately. Um, we're going to talk Galloping Crocodiles. And we got a special guest, Matthew O'Brien, and what he's going to talk about is some sports. We're going to touch on the NHL lottery and the NFL draft. So first things first, to get into it, we're going to talk talk about Monopoly. And the reason that we're talking about Monopoly is because Thomas Finn has a very extensive Monopoly collection. Uh, Just to name a few, he's got Las Vegas Monopoly, NASCAR Monopoly, NHL, and NFL Monopoly. Regular Monopoly, of course, Junior Monopoly, and Dogopoly. Uh, Thomas, first things first, tell me about your favorite Monopolies. Tell me why you have so many, because the rules of the games are pretty much all the same. The themes are different. You buy different things. Uh, Sometimes the the money system is different, like higher or lower values, but just tell me about it for a sec here. Yeah, pretty much. Well, the the biggest difference for me is that the, the experience you get out of it. Um, you know, you play one game and then you move to another game. It's like you're a whole another world. Um, sometimes when you just need to escape the stressful world that we live in today in the real world, um, maybe you just want to become a dog collector, and that's why you resort to Dogopoly there. And maybe you're an avid NFL fan. You want to see what it's like to own a team. So, yeah, I guess that's pretty much where the I wouldn't say obsession, but uh, my interest peaks. Um, my favorite, personally, um, is Dogopoly. I like to see the different species of dogs. It's just fun to see that. Um, I feel like the part where they fell short, though, is the the species. Because there's a lot. There's a lot of subspecies and whatnot and mixed breeds. And they didn't really outline those. Um, yeah, like, I got a, like I would call Monopoly about it, but they've got a lot. And they got a lot in their hands, a lot to cover. Okay, I have a couple problems with Dogopoly. Like you said, species is an issue. Uh, it's almost like they should make a bigger board for Dogopoly. Second is, the idea of Monopoly is that you're buying and selling properties. Um, but with Dogopoly, you're buying and selling dogs. Is that is there no ethical issue there? Do you not see a problem with that? Is Dogopoly still your favorite Monopoly? Yeah, I mean, the only way to get a dog today is to buy it, so I don't see any, there's any problem with that. Um, if I'm honest, um, I, re- I don't really see an unethical side to it. Uh, I quite enjoy Dogopoly. Um, sometimes it's it's nice to enjoy the other Opolies, if you will. Um, NASCAR Monopoly is one of my favorites because somehow I always come out on top. Um... But yeah, I mean, like, it's always been a big family game night. We have a family game night every Tuesday night, the Finn household, or at least we did. And, um, yeah, and so we were a fun family, always have been. And sometimes we just wanted a variety of different different games to play. You know, we love Monopoly. Like, Monopoly is our go-to game there. And sometimes, I wouldn't say it's getting old. It was just getting too 
usual. And um, we just needed to, something, some change, a little bit of theme change there. And, you know, starting off from the Junior Monopoly when we were kids, the most appropriate choice for a board game. Um, and then as we got more mature, we decided to go for the the NHL Monopoly as we were a big hockey playing family. And so from that, I guess we stemmed off to the whole NFL and uh, NASCAR. And then I guess when we were feeling a little frisky and sort of want to put some money on the games, we got the uh, Las Vegas set. So, yeah, I mean, some people find it a little crazy, but I just find it fun. I have a problem with NFL and NHL Monopoly too. Besides the part or the fact that last time me and you played NFL Monopoly with our friend Garrett Pike, you won. I had a big problem with that, but besides that, NFL and NHL Monopoly gives kids unrealistic expectations about how easy it is to buy a sports franchise. And it's really not that easy. Not everyone is Jerry Jones. And you're just not gonna you're just not gonna be buying the Dallas Cowboys anytime soon. I'm sorry, let alone four or five. Like you're gonna on a Monopoly game, like that's that's another issue I find. You can't give people false hope, and that's really what Monopoly does. Well, the part we have to remember that it is a game, and um, I don't really see any problem with the whole controversy when talking about youth and their future, but rather a stepstone or a stepping stool for those who want to become entrepreneurs. And this is a good way. Obviously, some expectations are different. You're not going to come out of university and buy a Dallas Cowboy franchise or something along those lines. But, yeah, I mean, I could see where your concern is. I just don't think it's a major concern. Okay, so now we have a list here, and it's a list of, what is it, all the 13 weirdest, strangest monopolies. And, okay, so I, I, I named about seven that Thomas had, and they get a lot weirder, so he's just going to rattle off a few here. Yeah, so pretty much coming to number one, we have Disney Villain Monopoly. Um, so pretty much, you know, Captain Hook, Carla DeVille, the Big Bad Wolf. Uh, second is bass fishing for those outdoorsy people who love outdoors, obviously. Uh, the Walking Dead Monopoly. That one I don't find too weird. There's a lot of fans that love The Walking Dead and want to play along as the show goes on. Uh, Horse Lovers Monopoly. Uh, this one I sort of protest against the against the whole strange part because I am a dog lover and I have the Dog Lovers Monopoly. Uh, Cat Lover Edition. That one's f***ed up. I don't see how that one can ever ever make it to to retail. And who would, who would ever buy that? Um, at six, we got the Swindon Monopoly. If you don't know what Swindon is, it's a British town. Uh, 40, mile, 40 miles between Bristol and Reading. Uh, if you guys don't know where that is, you uncultured peasants. Number seven is um, the One Direction Monopoly. Um, my seventh favorite boy band of all time. Um, eight is Sunmade. If you don't know what Sunmade is, it's that uh, brand of raisins that come in those little red boxes. Nine, uh, World of Warcraft Monopoly for the losers who... I don't know, I guess their battery died on their computer and they wanted to continue playing. Uh, and finally, we got the BlackBerry uh, 25th Anniversary Monopoly. Um, considering the rim is an absolute joke now. Um, they, I don't know. They've gone down the... So, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess that could top us off at the top 10 strangest Monopoly board games ever created. Yeah, there won't be a 30th 
uh, BlackBerry edition because I doubt the company is going to last that long. Um, the cat one, I don't, I don't even see how you, there's that many cat breeds. So I don't know. Like you were saying with the dogs, probably barely filled the board with all their subspecies. Yeah, no, I'm sure the dog Opley was a lot more popular than cat Opley, especially the name too. It just rattles off the tongue better, dog Opley. Okay, switching gears here, we're going to talk about Pitbull. Once again, the rapper. Um, okay, so there's a lyric in a Pitbull song. Uh, I believe it's called Give Me Everything, and it came out a while ago, but I have a, I have a really big problem with one of the op opening lyrics. And Thomas doesn't agree, but the lyric is, Me not working hard? Yeah, right. Picture that with a Kodak. Or better yet, go to Times Square and take a picture of me with a Kodak. And now the problem that I have with this lyric, very controversial because it says, take a picture of me with a Kodak. And you might think at first, okay, someone's going to be taking a picture using a Kodak camera of Pitbull at Times Square. But that's where I tend to disagree. I think Pitbull is getting a picture taken of him and he's holding a Kodak camera because it, it doesn't suggest otherwise. And you could assume that they're taking a picture with the Kodak, but again, what what does assuming do? You know, everyone knows. So Thomas, tell me why you disagree with me. Yeah, personally, I think you're digging too deep here. Um, Pitbull, he's a he's an educated man. Uh, he's a philanthropist and a father. And when it comes to those situations, I don't think he I don't think he puts that much. Um, I'd say care into the the controversy there. Personally, I think when he mentions take a picture with me, of take a picture of me with a Kodak, I think he's I think he's referring to the camera uh, that will be capturing the image of him rather than him holding the actual camera, because why would you take a picture of him holding a camera if he has the camera? Okay, well I think a lot of it has to do with product placement. So first of all, product placement in the song, and that'd be great. He mentions Kodak and a story. But he could get better product placement if the picture had him holding the Kodak. Because if you take a picture with the Kodak, then no one knows that he actually, or they actually use the Kodak to take the picture. But if he's holding the Kodak, then double product placement in the song and the picture of him at Times Square, wherever it may be. I don't know if it's on the internet or it's stashed away somewhere in, in some hidden laboratory or something like that. It's double product placement. I'm sorry. That it just makes logical sense. No, it's pretty illogical, actually. If you're talking about the whole advertisement sort of aspect of it, we can relate this back to the whole iPhone 6 campaign that Apple held. They pretty much rented out billboards and pasted these large pictures in, in the bottom right corners, or actually in the center, actually, uh, said shot on a iPhone 6 camera. So if they were to product place the product of a Kodak camera, they could possibly just take a very good quality picture and mention that's it was taken with Kodak. Okay, yeah, I see your argument, but at the same time, are they excluding people who are illiterate from viewing these advertisements? Because the people who are illiterate going to see the picture, not know what it's for, because they're not going to see taken by a Kodak at the bottom. Well, it's not like they're blind. They just don't know what it says, but... If you really think about it, if if somebody who is illiterate, in fact, will look at this picture and they'll probably think to themselves, "Wow, it's a really nice picture." Um, probably need a camera to, you know, take that picture. I want those. I want those very nice pictures. And 
I'll try to find find a picture where to get that. Okay, you're losing the focus of your argument, but all I'm saying is if I'm illiterate and I'm on the street and I see this billboard and I can't read the small print in the bottom right corner that says Kodak, and just so you know, hypothetically, I'm illiterate here, I can't see that it says Kodak, I'm not asking some random person on the street what that says in the bottom right corner. Yeah, but after further research, watching the music video of Pitbull, the scene never really shows him in Times Square, so I guess you could say the argument is inconclusive uh, for that reason. Uh, we should move on. Uh, all right, I'm not going to let you win that one. We'll talk about that later. Um, next. So I was on the internet the other day looking at articles, and I look at an article that's pretty old. It's from 2009, and I can't believe I never heard about this. Um, and it was about this crocodile that galloped. And, okay, of course that headline caught my attention. And obviously it doesn't exist today. Uh, some archaeologist dug up its fossils. And this is what they determined. We're going to look up the stats for this, uh, I'm going to say mythical creature because I don't even believe in it. It's called the Caprosuchus saharicus. I probably butchered that. But anyway, combined stats for this beast. Lives in the Sahara des Desert. It ate dinosaurs. Yeah, you heard that correctly. Lived 100 million years ago, thank God. Uh, 6.5 meters long. Uh, three sets of dagger-like tusks. And it's an efficient swimmer, yet could gallop. Um, and its vert was like 40 inches, which is crazy. So you're telling me its vert is higher than some NBA players? Yeah, its vert was insane. I mean, it's going to be jumping up there and eating pterodactyls. It has to have a pretty good vert. And not to mention, if it's galloping, I'm sure its broad jump was not too bad as well. So is this just a mutated crocodile? Or or was this the same crocodile as we see today? Uh, I think the idea was that it looks like um, crocodiles we see today, except its arms or arms and legs were longer um and it's not mutated it's these i'm assuming evolved into crocodiles we have today which i don't make sense i mean you think if crocodiles or alligators or whatever are evolving they're evolving into things that could gallop because uh crocodiles now kind of seem a little bit inferior but i guess when the dinosaurs got extinct this is just me you know just thought process here when the dinosaurs got extinct they didn't have any food because uh, they were eating dinosaurs, um, so that was pretty much the end of them. Or I guess they evolved to eat whatever crocodiles eat now, people, I guess. Do you think after the extinction of these dinosaurs, their food sources began to become less, I guess, high? Because they were killing, you know, dinosaurs and, and whatnot to, for food. And um, I guess when everything got wiped out, except them, of course, because they were... The stronger species, um, they began to start eating things that are lower to the ground. So I guess that's how they're, I mean, just a suggestion that how their limbs sort of kind of shortened up. Yeah, forewarning, well, more like a post warning. We're, we're obviously not scientists, we're just kind of spitballing here, but I mean, that makes sense. Crocodile or dinosaurs, big animals, rather, you know, got to gallop, got to catch them, they're fast, jump up, um, and then they're gone. So, you know, 
you don't really need that ability anymore but like that'd be kind of nice to have just if you're a crocodile i'd kind of want to be galloping i feel like you'd be able to get more food or just really just be able to move better i mean now they got small arms can't move very well um like the thing is i heard that if an alligator or a crocodile is chasing you you're supposed to run in a zigzag pattern and that's how you get away from it because they're actually fairly fast but if these things can gallop i don't, I don't know if the zigzag is going to help i feel like you'd already be killed at that point i hope that uh same maneuver works on my ex-girlfriend <laughs> um <laughs> yeah i guess that uh i guess that maneuver doesn't work on all especially ones we need them to uh anyway i guess Right now is our cue to uh, pass on to our special guest in studio, Matthew O'Brien. Uh, he will be talking to us about sports. Uh, Matthew, what topics are we going to be covering today? I was thinking, uh, first off, I want to start off by saying thank you for having me. You too. You know, I'm uh, happy to be a part of such an established program. And I'm a uh, really big fan of what you guys have here. And I'm looking forward to working with you guys. I'm moving forward. Today I was planning on talking about the NHL draft lottery. I think because playoffs are going on, it's not getting as much hype as it deserves. If we look at the results, which we will later, some pretty insane things happen that nobody's talking about. And then maybe we touch upon the NFL draft out there for some of those football fans. Um, one of the weirdest, most bizarre trades in NFL history happened this deadline. And it was pretty hype, but I I think the NBA playoffs and all the different sports playoffs going on right now are completely overshadowing these things that are, in about a year's time, going to play major significance in the league. So uh, I'm going to give back to you, Declan, hear what you have to think on those. Yeah, thanks, Matt. We're going to try to have you out uh, every two or so episodes, and you know, you'll be our sports specialist, so to speak. Um, yeah, I'd agree with you. The NHL draft especially uh, – a lot went down, and a lot of people are not happy about it. Um, and that's, again, it didn't get a lot of coverage just because playoffs are going on and whatnot. Uh, the NFL draft, uh, despite like the NFL season not going on, and, I mean, the MLB season's going NBA and NHL, uh, it got a lot of, I mean, views on TV. A lot of people are watching it. It got a lot of hype surrounding it. And... More people were actually watching the NFL draft, I believe, on the night of the draft than people were watching baseball. So, I mean, one, that's not really great for baseball if people are watching the draft over actual sports games. Uh, but it just shows you how much people are paying attention to it and how much people are really looking forward to uh, the NFL season. And again, the, the draft, it wasn't necessarily a star-studded draft. You had Miles Garrett go first overall. And again, he's a great player. He's a playmaker. But... Uh, defensive player, uh, usually when you have a big quarterback that's likely to go first overall, your draft ratings are a little bit better. Um, again, Trubisky, uh, I don't know if he's really uh, your big quarterback. I don't know if he's that big of a name. It just seemed like he was maybe the best available, but whether or not he'll be a star is still to be determined. I'm, I'm a little bit doubtful on that. Um, and also the trade to get Trubisky... Uh, I think both me and Matt agree that was a little bit ridiculous. Matt's going to break that down for you in a sec, and I'll hand this over to him. So we'll start off with that uh, NFL draft. 
that Declan was talking about. Just to give you the idea of what happened, the San Francisco 49ers held the second pick and the Chicago Bears held on to the third pick. To move up from second to third, they gave up the 67th pick and the 111th pick in this year's draft plus a third rounder in next year's draft to get the guy that was probably going to be available at three. Why did they do this? One of two things. Either San Francisco and GM John Lynch did an unbelievable job in tricking the Chicago Bears organization that they had a deal set up with somebody else, or it's rumored that a team like the Cleveland Browns were going to be shopping their later first-round pick to move up and grab Trubisky as they were looking for that quarterback in the future. They went ahead and took Deshaun Kaiser, who it seems, though, is is their quarterback for the future now. So I don't know about you, Declan, but uh, what you think it was that possessed them to make such an absurd trade to move up one spot? Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I think uh, it was, like you said, along the lines that they thought someone was going to make a deal. Uh, San Fran kind of manipulated them into believing that, and also it could have been possible that they either made them believe that they were going to take Trubisky because if they'd known that their intentions were to not actually take them, which I really don't think they were going to, um, then they would have just waited, held the third pick, not given up the other draft picks, um, and they would have been all right because they still would have ended up with Trubisky. And as of right now, uh, I, like, I think we both don't think that was that great of a trade for the Chicago Bears. We think that they got robbed, really. But again, if Trubisky turns out to be a franchise quarterback, then it, it'll probably work out for the Bears. And I don't think you could really say that uh, that trade was a bad one, in fact. But that's still to be determined. But for now, we're going to have to say that the Bears were on the losing end of that one. Another interesting thing I want to touch upon with that Bears organization and maybe what you think they're going to do here is Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon's one of those Jimmy Grappolo type of secondary QBs playing behind Jameis Winston, who everybody thought this guy's got the ability to be a starter. Mike Glennon becomes a free agent, and who do you know? The Chicago Bears are paying him $14 million, I'm pretty sure, in 2017 for this upcoming season. That seems to me as though they're paying Mike Glennon starters money and then they go ahead and draft Mitch Trubisky. Better yet, at the draft ceremony, who do they have there to talk and be a part of it than Mike Glennon? And to quote Mike Glennon and how he's feeling now is, I feel cheated on, quote-unquote Mike Glennon. So I think this Bears organization is in complete disarray. You already have one quarterback who's not happy to be there. And you got a young potential budding star who you traded up for and gave up three additional picks who might not even be your starting QB next year. So I don't understand what the people in Chicago are thinking about on, are they going to go 50-50? Is Glennon going to start and he's going to mentor Trubisky? Mind you, Glennon's never been a starter before, so I don't know what veteran experience he has to share with Mitch if he's just been playing behind a young very young Jameis Winston. So I'm curious on what you're going to say there. If you agree or disagree, how you think that Glenn and Trubisky situation is going to play out? 
Yeah, I agree that I, I don't think the plan is for Trubisky to actually be starting uh, next year. And if if that's the case, which, it, like I said, it seems to be, you don't want your starting quarterback to be unhappy. And he, he seems a little left in the dark. And, again, he's not too happy about that. Um, he wasn't expecting it. And it seems like a lot of people around the Bears organization were not expecting that. Um, their head coach wasn't even really aware about that. Um, but all right, moving on to other parts of the draft. Uh, one player I wanted to touch on. Uh, I thought he was a great player. Played for Clemson. You all know who it is, Deshaun Watson. Uh, Deshaun Watson led his team to the college football championship. They won. And he, to me, was the best quarterback available. But he actually dropped to 12th. Um... Cleveland Browns had the 12th overall pick. They traded it to Houston Texans. And at the time, uh, I wasn't too happy about me being a Browns fan. Uh, The Browns turned it out okay. They had a good draft. But Deshaun Watson going to the Houston Texans, that's that's a home run for him, I think, anyway. Because he goes to Houston. It's a nice place. A nice city. Um, It's warm weather. Unlike Chicago, I mean, if if he really were better than Trubisky, which I think he is, then he should be going. He should be the highest quarterback going. So he wasn't goes to Houston, nice place. They already have a pretty solid team going, built around him. Again, if if you're picking twelfth, well, actually no, they were picking later, but they moved up. Uh, you're not that bad of a team. Their defense was first in yards against per game. Uh, it was up there in points against. So he's going to a team. Nice city, good defense, and he's got some weapons uh, on offense. You throw to DeAndre Hopkins, which uh, he'll probably be his primary ta- target. DeAndre Hopkins being probably the biggest star on that team on the offensive side of the ball. Um, so, really, I think it was a best-case scenario for him. Uh, I know, Matt, you really like Deshaun Watson as well. What are your comments on him going there and, you know, having a pretty good situation right off the bat? Here's, I love Deshaun Watson. My opinion, Deshaun Watson could have gone first overall. I know that may seem like nonsense, but when you want to look at things, QBs at the Division One level that have won championships for their team have gone on to be successful QBs. Mitch Trubisky did not tear up the college level. Patrick Mahomes couldn't lead his team to victory. Deshaun Watson, national championship against a very, very good Alabama Crimson Tide team. Let's not take nothing away from what Deshaun Watson did. That was Head coach Nick Saban, arguably the greatest coach of all time, had an unbelievable team. And Deshaun Watson had an unbelievable game. What I think is going to cause Deshaun Watson some problems, the Houston Texans don't have an offensive identity. The Houston Texans haven't had an offensive identity for a while now. His, his style of play is a run-and-gun type of thing. He can use his legs very... Similar, I'd say, to Cam Newton, if you want to make a comparison. Both have very good arms, but both at the same time can use their legs. 
what is the Houston Texans' offensive identity? I don't know, and I think that might cause him some problems. They had Brian Hoyer there for a while. They had Brock Osweiler there for a while. Those two QBs are very, very different from Deshaun Watson, and they couldn't get it done. So I'm hope I'm hoping they let Deshaun Watson lead and they let him do his thing, because you got JJ on the on the defensive end, and I think with Deshaun's passing ability and his ability to use his legs, there's nothing that should hold that team back from being an immediate Super Bowl contender. I think the final guy I want to talk about in the NFL draft before we move on to something else is uh, from the Cincinnati Bengals draft pick, Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon has, if you don't know who Joe Mixon is, Joe Mixon is an incredible running back. He is, he's a special player. Joe's only problem is as a freshman, he got into some problems and happened to punch a fellow female student in the face. He's dealt with that, and it's been moved aside. He pleaded guilty. He talked to the victim, and they were able to work out and want to move on. But the Cincinnati Bengals organization is still getting a lot of heat for drafting this guy. I don't think it's deserved. It's not like they went out and used their first-round pick on him, which they could have, and maybe people would have been more upset then. You used your first-round pick to take a... A woman beater? Yeah, that doesn't seem right, but they didn't take him in the first round. They used him, they they got him later. So I don't understand why there's problems going on in Cincinnati with this pick. I Maybe I'm different, maybe you disagree with me, maybe you think that nobody should have taken Joe Mixon for what he did. Maybe he should have been a last round pick, but this guy was, I, I personally believe this guy's going to be more successful than Leonard Fournette, who went fourth overall, or Christian McCaffrey, who also went in the first round. I'm, I'm I don't know what you think on that. I think Mix- Mixon is very a uh, special player, and it's tough to um, look past what he did. And obviously, no one supports that. And I think the idea was um, that well, that idea that you were getting at was that uh, you know Cincinnati picked this player, and they're aware of what happened, but it's not like they support what he did. Um, they're hoping they can move past that, and they can get the best out of him because he really is a special player. He averaged about 6.8 yards per game running in college, which is incredible, and I doubt he'll be able to equal that in the NFL, but if he could come close to that, that would be very beneficial for the Cincinnati Bengals. All right, moving on now, we're going to talk about the NHL draft lottery. Um, we're some incredible things happening happened really last year you had the maple leafs who had the highest chance of getting uh the first overall pick at the first overall pick so there's no real surprises this year you had three teams move into the top three uh of the of the draft they were both excited so i believe uh new jersey as a has the first overall pick now they were fifth uh, Philadelphia, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but Philadelphia was second and the Dallas Stars third. So, uh, Matt's going to talk about what happened there and how far these teams moved it up and really how much of a difference this can be because you have a team that's really borderline playoffs and they get an elite level player. It's, it's going to help them a lot. It's going to, you know, catapult them, uh, into that, you know, playoff contending, uh, Stanley Cup contending team. 
Thanks, Declan. So, uh, as you said, New Jersey jumped to the first overall pick. Philadelphia went, got the second one, and Dallas got the third one. So what does this mean? It means a team like Philadelphia, who in 30 teams in the league, finished 19th. 16 teams to make the playoffs. So they finished just outside the playoffs. They had the third worst odds, and they jumped all the way up to second. They had the Dallas Stars, who finished 24th, so not even in the bottom five in the league, who jumped all the way up to third. I have a problem with this. I have a really big problem with this. Because a team like Philadelphia, who's got all the pieces already locked into contract, they just finished outside the playoffs, couldn't, doesn't deserve the second overall pick. Teams need to be equal, and there needs to be parity in the league, especially with the addition of the Las Vegas team. We don't get that in this draft. They already got Claude Giroux, Jakub Voracek, Wayne Simmons, Shane Gossesbeer, Ivan Provorov. They got a lot of pieces already in place, and they're just adding another one. Compared to a team like Vancouver or Colorado, did anybody watch Colorado's games this year? They stunk. Matthew Shane was irrelevant. Gabriel Landeskog is probably out the door. They needed a budding star, something they can build their team around, and it looks like they have to wait another year. So I want to talk about the plan it is to fix this, and I love it. I love what Shane Doan brought to the table when they asked him, and it's called God's plan. And this plan is you play your season, you play your season, you play your season, you play your season, the second you are mathematically out of the playoffs, you start accumulating points for your wins. And the team with the most points from at the end of the season gets that first overall pick. So let's say you have Colorado, Buffalo, Arizona, New Jersey. Once they're all ma- once each team's mathematically eliminated, they start getting points for their wins. This will mean you have nobody tanking till the end. You'll have teams that are outside pushing these teams at, that are on the fringe that are playing the role of playoff killer dreams. Like you're gonna see a lot more battle until the end. So people are gonna be watching whether it's the first place versus the last place, last place versus last place. Every game is gonna matter. Because you have to win to make the playoffs and to get the first overall pick. So I don't know what the league is waiting for, what Gary Bettman's waiting on to implement this. But I think this is the only way you can have parity in the league and competition. People don't like the fact that there's teams tanking. And yes, this draft shamed the tankers. It shamed the Vancouver Canucks and the Colorado Avalanche. Those guys that just from the beginning of the season started tanking. They had no fans. Nobody wanted to go watch these guys just lose every game. So this will mean people will fill the seats. The NHL will make more money. Fans will be happier. Everybody's happier. So I don't see what the problem is. Uh, yeah, I, I like that idea, to be perfectly honest. I mean, again, if you're, you're the worst team in the league, it gives you the advantage in the sense that you're going to be mathematically eliminated from the playoffs earlier than other teams. And then after that, you still have to play. You can't tank. So uh, I'm pretty on board with the idea. Obviously, uh, the NHL will have to look into this, and they won't be able to – it's not something they'll really be able to implement right away. Um, 
But again, if Colorado uh, really won that first overall pick, uh, once they got eliminated, they should have started trying to win games uh, more and more instead of tanking, which again, it only gave them a 20% uh, chance at the first overall pick. And not necessarily that they were trying to tank, but um, and a lot of teams that aren't making the playoffs, they unload guys, they trade them to better playoff teams at the deadline. Um, so that will kind of eliminate that issue and it will give teams a fair chance to get that first overall pick. Okay, that'll about wrap things up for us here today. Um, like I said earlier, Matthew O'Brien, thanks for coming on the show. He's going to be a, a regular, semi-regular guest here, and when he's on, we're going to be talking sports. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, just thank everybody who is listening today. Uh, make sure you guys uh, stay up to date on our Instagram page for future release dates and uh, future topics to be talked. Um, so from everybody here behind the mic, uh, have a great day from the Weekend Brunch Club.